Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to this edition of the What's Next podcast, where I have the pleasure of welcoming Steve Hers to the show today. He is the president of the Montauk Group, a sports and entertainment talent and marketing consultancy. He is also a career advisor to CEOs, lawyers, entrepreneurs, and young professionals. Prior to joining TMG, Steve was the president and founding partner of IF Management, an industry leader whose broadcasting division became one of the largest in the space, representing over 200 television and radio personalities. He's also the author of a new book called Don't Take Yes, capital Yes, for an answer, which explains why positive feedback limits personal and professional growth, and then teaches you how to embrace the hard truths and critical feedback to escape mediocrity and break away from the pack. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you, Tiffany. Happy to be here. Well, we are going to start out guns a blazing in something I call bullish and bearish. And it's, you know, short three questions, bullish, you're for it, bearish, you're against it. Are you ready? I'm ready. All righty. First one, the year 1966. Obviously <laughs> very, sure. very bullish on that year. It was the year you and I were both born. Yes. And, uh, obviously, um, the greatest piece of luck I ever had in my life was being born. So very bullish. There you go. I, I, I would have to go bullish with you on that one too. All right. Next one. Body language matters more than people think. Oh my God. Biggest bullish you could ever get. 10 out of 10 bullish. Awesome. Well, we're going to get into that because I'm fascinated by some of uh, the things that you highlight. Um, and then the next one and a little fun, AI chess players, bullish or bearish? I mean, sadly, I am bullish on that because I love chess. It's it's kind of sad to think that you can be beaten by AI, but yes, regrettably bullish. Okay. All right. We've gotten all the fun out. Now we're going to get to the hard stuff. <laughs> so I want to dig right into that body language because I think that um, you have this really unique perspective, right? You're, you're in sports and entertainment, you talent, you have talent management, you know, and you know, you're trying to help people both in their own careers to be better um, and then advising CEOs and, and others uh, who maybe aren't your talent, quote unquote, right? But, mm -hmm. you know, talk a little bit about why you were a 10 out of 10 on body language matters more and, and sort of how you landed on that. Well, I think it, it has to do with the fact that I think we are subconsciously judging other people at all times. And we get a feeling, a, a vibe, if you will, about another person. You know, like candidly, when I first talked to you, you have a really nice voice and you have a very easy way about yourself. So I was, you know, put at ease immediately in the pre-phone call we had about this particular show. And having done now probably 50 to 75 podcasts around this book, I can tell you that you don't get that sense of ease from a lot of people. You feel a little bit uptight or what have you. And I think body language has the same kind of um, influence on people and the same kind of interaction that it creates. And so, you know, people make fun of this idea of the resting bitch face, but it's real. And some of these people that are like, have like almost like a little tiny perma smile to them. I know someone like that. Someone I interviewed for the book is a sportscaster on ESPN. Her name is Susie Kolber. And She's very talented and she's had a great career. And I think a little bit of her success is that she's always has this little smile on her face. She just exudes warmth and exudes happiness and people want to be around that. And so that's why I'm so bullish on body language. Yeah. And I think it was very interesting. I, I you know, was in preparation, obviously for our time together, I sort of, you know, 
peruse through your Twitter feed and you had this, if the, you had retweeted something with, I think it was Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan and Miley Cyrus, <laughs> random. And uh, it was a conversation about voice. And she made this comparison that like, you know, you can say, wow, you know, all the wrinkles you have on your face is all the laughter you've had, right? It's the life you've lived. And in her situation, her voice is that, that canvas of the life she's lived. She's like, you know, I, I sing too loud. I talk too much. I smoke too much. I do all these things. And, and it manifests itself for me as a performer. She's saying this, right? Miley Cyrus is saying this in my voice. And I thought it was really fascinating. I'd never thought about it that way. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's interesting. I, I have said this. I, I quote another person in my book about voice, a guy named Mort Cooper, who is, a, is still in, in his 90s, but a very famous voice coach to a lot of famous people. And he says, your voice is your second face. It's the second most important impression you make on other people. And yet, if, if you think about how much time and energy and resources we spend on our face, whether it's, you know, combing our hair, brushing our teeth, getting, you know, teeth whitening or all the things we do to look better, all the clothes that we spend money on. And yet here comes our voice, which is such a close second. And so many of us, they, we know that we're not making the best impression with our voice, but yet we continue to spend almost no time, energy or resources on improving it. Yeah. And I think to your, to your point, you know, uh, this podcast is a medium that has no facial expression. And I kind of you know, it's while I enjoy the medium because it's a great short burst and I enjoy listening to podcasts, I, I definitely have learned. And I don't know, did you do an audio book for your book? I did. I, I unfortunately, my publisher did not want me to do it, but I, oh. was able to... <laughs> so I had to try out like for my own book, right. It was about, it was about the voice. And so I went into my, um, you know, I went, I'm in Los Angeles and I went into the random house, uh, recording studio and, uh, you know, up on the wall are all these Grammys and, you know, Barack Obama's spoken word book and this and that. And I'm like, Oh my God, what am I doing here? Right. And go into the recording booth and my producer was there, you know, it's, it's just like you would think if you're, you know, visually thinking this in your mind, sort of a recording for, for singing or a band, right. It's the same kind of feel. So I'm on the other side of the glass and I have a, like a, you know, a stand with the book printed out and I have to read every single word. If it, if I say the word, not plural, I got to say it again, you know, like it's a whole thing. Right. So I go into this going ah, I got this. Like I give keynotes all the time. I'm on stage all the time. I talk on the phone all the time. Like I talk, 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 talk. As a kid, it was like, stop talking. Right. So I talk a lot. I get in there and I just start going and about halfway, three quarters through the first day, I had almost lost my voice and mm -hmm. like, I, I never lose my voice. Right. And I'm like, well, I, I, there's no way I could do five days of this eight hours a day. I mean, there's, I'll have no voice. I mean, <laughs> it'll be like a different person is reading the book every day. <laughs> That's like get worse and worse and worse. Right. So she takes me aside at the end, uh, uh, at the end of the day and says, Hey, we're getting, we need to reconvene in the morning. I know it's been a long day. You're spent like come in the morning. So I went in the morning early and we sat down and she goes, look, this is not a keynote. Like it, you cannot scream like you're on stage. First of all, the majority of people who listen to business books are men. Men don't want to be screamed at by women. I started laughing. <laughs> I said, okay, fair point. <laughs> right. So I had to completely re-record the first day. And it and it taught me actually accidentally how to be better in podcasts. So 
it's this very interesting, you know, that's a, like this podcast is about you, but I, I thought that that was my sort of experience of learning the power of just voice when there's no video, no paper, no, you know, it's just that communication. And by the way, not a phone call, right? Cause a podcast is very different. Exactly. I, I wanted to say one thing that you touched upon, which was very interesting about your experience in, in voiceover of the book is also your energy. And I think maybe invariably or unwittingly, you also learn about how to modulate your energy because, you know, like you said, you don't want to scream at people, but you do want to have those heightened moments in the book where you are emphasizing those bigger points. But yet by learning to modulate your energy, you're creating a much healthier dynamic with the listener. And I think that can translate into an audience of one or an audience of a thousand. And that's one of the principles that I try to talk about in the book is about energy. Because I think the reason why people succeed, you know, all things being equal, why one person succeeds more than another is because of the energetic dynamic that you create with others. And not, it's not just about high energy or low energy. It's about knowing how to modulate it in, in, in the right moment. And I think you learned that. Maybe you already knew it, but it certainly sounds like you reinforced that lesson from the experience you had. No, I totally learned it. You know, I... I when because I spent so much time on stage, I had to actually learn how to do that where you're just not at the same level all the time. Ah, you know, and the pause. Yep. Then when you come back in, right, the power of that, when you say something softly and then you like want to punch a word and you say punch a word and you know what I mean? Like I, I by no means am a am a like there are people who are orators who you could just listen to. You know, the, 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 to your point, Steve, when we first started talking about it, it brings you to ease. The voice is calming. You're willing, you lean in to listen to them, like the power of that. And then others, it's just like grading fingernails down the chalkboard, right? doesn't matter what they're saying. It's very hard to stay focused. So, you know, as a leader, I'm guessing that's something um, that people may, might not pay attention to as much. Right. Well, the problem is, is that everything you said just now about, you know, the pause and speaking softer and punctuating a point, that all goes to, I think, this idea of being unpredictable in your delivery. And what puts people to sleep, whether you're screaming the whole time or whether you're talking at the same pace or you're talking softly, is this predictability. If you find yourself listening to someone who's so predictable, that feels like they're droning on, right? But the way you described it earlier in, in the last few minutes is you're literally describing what I would call inflection, your variance of your pitch, pace, and volume. And what I say is inflection is infection because if you inflect by changing all these things, then you're infecting me with your enthusiasm. And you can't be enthusiastic even if you're screaming the whole time. That, that's just like – that's overpowering. That's not enthusiasm. And when you inflect and you change this, change it up all the time, that's going to infect me with your enthusiasm. Absolutely. And so going back to what you were saying, because part of delivering uh, sort of, you know, authority, if you will, is to, to your point, you're saying earlier, you spend time on sort of what you wear, how you look, you know, how people might perceive you and, and, and how do you, how do you sort of round that out for people who are maybe early in their career, middle of their career, and they're, they want to become leaders. And part of this is the whole, you know, follow me, that kind of very Steve Jobs, right? Uh, that you obviously talk a lot about in his presence on stage, how he dresses, how he speaks, his hands, his voice, all those things have an impact that make people, you know, it's like a rock concert and it, people follow to and listen to his every breath, you know, his every word. Yeah, because... 
Look, I think that we're all born with an ability to communicate. But what happens is, is that we tend to imitate other people. And we, uh, we often imitate our parents, right? And sometimes our parents may have bad speaking habits or communication traits. And what, what ends up happening is I think we adopt those traits from other people. And then when we get into our early part of our career, and sometimes for the entirety of our career, we have these traits that are sabotaging us. So I think most people have good habits, some good habits. And the question is, how many bad habits do you have? And so I think the question you should be asking yourself is, how do I become aware of what my bad habits are? And that's what I'm trying to solve for in this book is, you know, this idea of awe. I talk about, you know, authority, warmth, energy is a shorthand way to understand how you're communicating. And if you figure out what your bad habits are, then you can, you can change them and you can turn them into good habits. And I think Steve Jobs had a lot of great habits. You know, he, he had what I call in the book also this idea of really, really detached authority. You know, if you watch him speak, he internalized not only his own greatness, but more importantly, the greatness of what he was selling. He, he knew that he had the best product in the world, whether it was the iPad or the, the iPhone or anything else Apple was selling. I think he truly believed that it was the best thing out there and he wanted you to buy it. But if you didn't want to buy it, I think he was okay with that. And I think that had great power for him and ultimately great power for the company. And so, you know, if someone were to say, I want to be better at that, what are sort of some advice you could give? One, two, three things like exercises, do something, try something. What, what would it be? Well, I think it depends on the individual, but I think for most people, it is speaking with a, with an unpredictable cadence. So I'd say that record yourself or listen back to this podcast or make your own podcast and listen to your voice and listen to these three key things. One is your pace, right? Are you speaking at a predictable pace or are you varying your pace? Are you pausing? Are you speaking faster and then slower and then weighing out for a little bit? So that's important because a lot of people speak at a very predictable pace and that bores someone else. So that's one. The second thing is the pitch of your voice, right? And this goes back to you on, 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 the, um, on, on the reading of the book. When you get excited, you, your pitch tends to get a little bit higher. And if you're in a constant excited mode, and you're, then your pitch is going to be very consistent. So listen back for your pitch. Is there variability in your pitch, right? And then the third thing is your volume. And they're all interrelated. But think about, are you screaming the whole time? Or are you saying, Tiffany, I really think this is a great idea. And here's why. Here's why it's a great idea. And that's what Steve Jobs did such a great job of. If you go back and listen to him, he would have this, you know, he would bring it. It was like listening to a, an orchestra. He would bring it to a crescendo and then he'd bring you down and he'd ramp you up and slow you down. And, and that is, is very effective. So those would be the three things I'd say people could look for. And so, you know, I think that that lends itself to help people stand out, if you will, and attract attention of those uh, around you, right? Raises your profile, protects yourself, you know, during this time and, you know, in, in your position and sort of what others think of you um, or even gain interest in from others. And so I know that a lot of what you uh, teach is around something you call awe. And I'd love for you to dig into that for us. Okay. So awe is based on this idea that there was a study done over a hundred years ago by the Carnegie foundation, very big educational foundation that's still around. And they determined 
1918 that amongst a study of engineers that only 15% of their success was causally and correlated to the actual technical part of their proficiency in the job. And so there's this whole giant 85% window of non-technical parts of the job that were related to one success. And so that rang true to me in my own career personally, and also rang true to me in what I observed in others. And so if you, if you, in a, I think you have to be good at the 15%, but if you're in a business where you've gotten a job that requires a technical expertise, which almost every job does, you're competing against other people that are already good at the 15 as well. And we can't determine who's better or who's worse or who's the best at the 15. So that's not why we're hiring you, right? That's not what the determining factor is. So the all piece is how do I create a hack for the 85%? And what I think it is, it's about making people like you, making people trust you, making people believe in you, that you're good enough to do the job. So that's shorthand for all, right? So the A is authority. It's not about whether or not you are good at the job. It's whether, do I perceive you to be good at the job? Do I perceive you to be competent? You know, and I talk about in the book, a lot of, a lot of uh, medical stuff. I've, I just recently had hip surgery and I went to see three different doctors. And ultimately I chose this one doctor, Edwin Sue, at the hospital for special surgery, because he had this incredible sense of authority about what he was going to do and how he was going to operate on me. And he just communicated with a quiet level of confidence. And he, his body language was very self-assured. He talked about what he was going to do in a very economical way. You know, he wasn't rambling on. And so that's what authority is. His voice was strong. He didn't use any filler words. He looked me in the eye. He was emotionally committed to his message. So that's the A piece in authority. The W is warmth. And it's really about trust. And again, you know, if you're going to have somebody cut, I have a 12-inch scar in my my rear end, if you're going to have somebody do that, you better trust that person and you better get a sense from them that they care about you and they're invested in your goodwill, whatever the job might be, that they're actually interested in you and your outcome and not their own outcome. And again, he did a great job of that. He made me feel cared for every step of the way. And I, I became very trustworthy of him because we connected and there was that level of warmth. And the third piece is this energy piece. It's this idea of, like I said earlier, it's creating this kinetic relationship with someone, no matter who you are and whether you want to believe it or not, I believe that every person creates a dynamic with everybody else. And so the question is, are you even aware of the energetic dynamic you're creating with other people? And that's all in a nutshell. And I think if you can master that and you're good enough at the job, you'll soar. Yeah, it's kind of like, that's almost like the fuel behind, I feel like it's a great fuel behind imposter syndrome, right? Like, because everything you just said, like, if you if you believe that you know it, you know, so some people are like, oh, I'm, am I right for this job? Do I check all the boxes instead of feeling confident and going, I'm just going to go for it. Am I missing that or? No, no, you're, you're right. Except I would just try to tweak that a little bit. because Okay, please. I, 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 no, the way I would tweak it is this, is that, I think we all, again, we all develop bad habits, what have you. And I think one of the bad habits I see a lot of people making is when they make a point to you, they don't look you in the eye. They're making the point to you, but they don't look you in the eye. They, their head goes away. They cover their mouth for whatever reason, and their head is tilted. And I think that what I'm trying to say in this book is beat 
beat your own subconscious out of you, right? You're not aware that you're covering your, your, your hand over your, over your face. You're not aware that you're, you're not making eye contact. So just focus on these little tiny, what I would call molecular behavioral actions, right? And so it's, it's, not, it's not a judgment on you. It's not about imposter syndrome. It's not about anything. It's just about breaking down these little tiny habits that you've created over time for whatever reason, who cares, and just beating them. That's it. And I think if you can do that, then it's that behavioral change from the outside, I believe will change you from the inside. Because if you look someone in the eye when you're making a point, I don't care how much confidence you're lacking, your confidence is going to improve if you're focused on looking them in the eye when you're making that point. Yeah. And I, and I this goes back to just kind of all the subtleties. You know, I think, uh, you know, as we said at the beginning of this podcast, we were born in 66. So we're 54, for those of you good at math. Um, and I'd say in the last maybe 10 years or so, I've really tried to hone my craft, you know, like sort of what I get to do every day, right? How I yep. speak, how I am on stage, how I do podcasts, looking people in the eye. The one I, I continue to fail at is remembering people's names. Now I will remember meeting them. I remember their face. I remember sometimes the event I met them at, the conversation we had, the place we broke bread at. You know what I mean? Like I remember all that cannot, no matter every little exercise I do, you know, I'll get 50 or 75 names in a day. I just, I just can't absorb them all. So if you've got any, you know, advice on that, I'm all ears. <laughs> well, I, I, I actually am I'm pretty good with names. And I think there's a couple tricks and I didn't invent these. I, I invented maybe one of them, but uh, the one I didn't invent, I'll give you first, which is, and my, my kids make fun of me, by the way, for this still to this day. Um, I talk about everybody in my life with a first name and last name. Everybody. <laughs> All um, right. And my son's name is Jack. So he's like, Daddy, why are you always referring to me as Jack Hers? You know my name. <laughs> and why are you always talking about Josie Hers? And, 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 and yet, it's a, it's, it's a habit. I just talk about everybody with a full name. And it's, it's just for me personally, I find that if you say someone's full name, you're much more likely to remember it. At least it's worked for me. And then the second thing is, I think if you associate uh, somebody with a little bit of a, um, like kind of a word game, and, and it's funny, I, before I, I got on this podcast, I actually was, I took a shower and I was thinking about you in the shower, all rated G by the way. And I was thinking about how, what, what can I remember about her for the podcast? And I, I kept saying in my head, Tiffany Bova Constrictor. I, I got to be free and easy. <laughs> Love it. And so, Love and so I'll never forget your name because like, to me, you're Tiffany Bova constrictor and you're not constricted. So it's a little play on the idea that you're very open and, and, and I'll try to do that with everybody else. And I think once you do that, you'll have a little bit of a, almost like a, 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 um, a picturesque mnemonic for everybody. Well, so now, now the question is going to be how many people will see me now the next time I go Bova constrictor. We'll know they listen to the podcast. So I had Tom Peters on and, you know, he is the red bull of management. Right. Um, you know, you just can't forget Tom. And so I got called the cayenne pepper of management. And then Starbucks came out with the blonde espresso. <laughs> then that became me. So now I'm the blonde espresso bova constrictor. I'll <laughs> take it. That's awesome. That so funny. All right. All right. Well, those are great pieces of advice. And so what what I, I want to wrap this up on, because I think 
because we're living in a time now where the social connection um, is a little bit different. You know, I, or the physical connection, sorry, I don't actually like the term social distancing. I like the term physical distancing because we're just not physically together, but gosh, I hope we're not distanced socially, right? That's too isolating. We're humans. We like people. We like connection and contact. So uh, my question to you would be, how have you been thinking about applying all this when you're not face-to-face, right? I can't see your eye contact. I can't see the little smile or the resting bitch face. I can't see, you know, the mannerisms and the hands. I can, we've talked a lot about voice and the power of that, but how can you do that, you know, via video call, like that eye con, you know, how do you translate what you just said in awe to this now virtual today, right? In this virtual environment? Well, I, I think that you do the best you can, first of all, right? So, I think there's a few things that you can do. One is ultimately all communication comes down to, I think you, you want the other person to feel acknowledged in the situation. And I think maybe the most powerful quote in the book is not for me. It's from another person who said that he went to go hear somebody speak and he felt like the speaker wasn't listening to the audience. And I thought it was a really interesting way of looking at it. And because ultimately the best speakers are ones that are subtly or otherwise acknowledging the listener. They're acknowledging the listener. And I think you can do that on Zoom. And one of the things that I've tried to do and been teaching this now is when you're on Zoom and you're talking to a group of people, even if there are only nine people in front of your screen, look at somebody. They may even be on on mute and say, hey, Joe, I see you smiling out there. I feel like you're getting my message. And then Joe is going to smile at you and he's going to give you a thumbs up. And then later on, you can talk to, you know, Michelle and, and she'll do the same thing, but it's just showing. And even if you've only acknowledged two people by name in an audience of 200, even on zoom, it makes everybody feel, Hey, you know what? This woman stopped and took the time to notice that I was smiling or that I wasn't smiling or whatever it was. And it's about acknowledgement. And so that's one thing. And then the other thing I would say is this, and I've, you know, I try to do this normally. And I think we've accomplished this in this podcast is, just be vulnerable, just be a little vulnerable, you know, whether it's making fun of the fact that I still call my son by his full name at the age of 11 or bova constrictor, whatever it is, just letting somebody know, Hey, you know what? I'm a human being. I've got anxieties and fears and insecurities and whatever. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. And just letting people in a little bit, I think goes a really long way, whether it be on Zoom or a phone call or any of it, because I think people can smell when you're trying to be too perfect and there's no way to connect with someone without the ability to acknowledge them and to show some vulnerability. Absolutely. And I think, you know, especially during this time, we hear it so much now, right? Emotional, the emotional intelligence, right? Emotional quadrant, uh, empathetic leaders, uh, servant leadership. We're seeing a lot more kind of purpose over profit. We're definitely hearing this conversation kind of elevate around this, be vulnerable, be transparent, be authentic, e- even if it's not perfect. Uh, that especially now on Zoom calls, like earlier today, I was on one and this, the uh, one of our clients, you know, we had about 10 people. Her dog would not stop barking. Like he just would, and she was the one talking. She, it just, it was not going to happen. So she just literally just goes, I need you to hold on a second, right? <laughs> like grabs him by the collar, doesn't turn her camera off, right? Grabs him by the collar and is like, come on, you know, whatever his name was, 
you know, George, whatever, right? And sort of walks him out, gives him a kiss on the forehead, opens the door, pushes him out by his butt. He was like a big, you know, 100 pound lab, right? Pushes him out by the butt, closes the door, sits back down. She's like, I'm really sorry. About three minutes later, now you hear crying and scratching at the door. She's like, oh my God. Like, I don't know what to do. But, that, that, that a, but that's such a great moment. That's a right. great moment on so many levels. You got a window into her. She, You now see the way she can react to a situation like that. She sees the way you're reacting to it. That's a deep moment of connection, maybe more so than anything else that happened on that Zoom. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, it, and in the client environment, she was the highest quote unquote ranking executive. Right. And so it was just, but it's one of those things where it's just, it's, it's, who knows what's going to happen. And everyone just has to have compassion and empathy for the fact that everyone's in this unchartered territory and we're all doing the best that we can. So I think Steve, that's great advice. So as we wrap this up, uh, any, any last thoughts for our listeners? I think it's been packed with so much information that I don't even know if there's anything left you could possibly say, but let's give it, how can people get your book? Uh, don't take yes for an answer, which I guess we didn't even cover. So let's just that's do okay. a couple minutes of that. Yeah, no, let's do a couple minutes of that. So well, sure. don't I take mean, yes for an answer. I mean, that sounds a little counterintuitive. Yeah. So, so my book is really about just trying to get people to shift their mind, just a little bit of a mindset shift in terms of the way they see themselves. Try to sort of stop taking all this positive feedback that the world's giving you and start working on really seeking out constructive feedback in your life. And the thing that I suggest you seek that feedback on is the impression you make on other people with the awe idea, your voice, your body language, your, your physicality, your energy, etc. And so I think you can learn how to do that. And, and the book is really just, it's a very subtle shift. And it's just one more tool in the tool bag that you should have in your life. And part of what I try to emphasize in the book is that, you know, the academic world prepares you very well for the technical part of your life. But then when you get into the real world, many of us are very unprepared for this and we haven't dedicated any resources to it. So that's why I wrote the book. And it was you know, predicated on my almost 30 years of being a talent agent and trying to translate what I learned to that. And it's not a hard book. It's, it's a very easy read. And I think you'll find that there's some very small tips in there that hopefully can go a long way. And I'll just finish by saying the last thing is you, you can buy the book at any Barnes and Noble or any bookstore. And it's available on Amazon. It's published by HarperCollins, so you can go on their website as well. And or my website, which is www.stevenstevenhers.com. And you can that's really all you need to know. And I really appreciate you giving me this forum today. It's been a really great conversation. Well, you know it's a great conversation when I forget to talk about the book. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's fine with me. That's fine with me. I, I just that's awesome. That's sort of like, you know, host fail 101. But that's okay. I had a great time. I hope you did too. I did. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for joining us today. What a fun conversation. So much so that I forgot to talk about his book. Doi. Anyway, I learned a ton. I learned a ton about the power of awe, authority, warmth, and energy, and that the kinetic relationship with someone is critical. But it's driven by what you wear, how you talk, how you hold yourself, holding your shoulders up high, your head held high. It's a combination of all these things. And so doing it in person is one thing, but translating it into our new reality is another. Go practice, find your voice, find the way you can be more impactful to those around you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of What's Next with Steve Hers. My name's Tiffany Bova. Please don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with your friends, and have a great day.